Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 81. Welcome to the Secrets of Real Estate Investing Show, where you'll learn powerful strategies from top experts to take your investments to the next level. Here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. And we have with us today a gentleman from Colorado who's really good at doing creative deals. And he's one of the most... Um, creative, resourceful people that I've heard and met in a long time, which I'm super impressed with. And I'm so excited for him to share some of his solutions and resourcefulness with you today. So with that, welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you. And it's Adam Ray, R-A-E, for those of you guys that want to go follow him and check him out too. So why don't you start out by giving us a little glimpse into your beginnings of being a real estate investor, and maybe even before that, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've always wanted to be a real estate investor since I was uh, a teenager. And basically the story goes, I was a terrible kid and got grounded a ton. And my father said I could take time off my sentence by doing, um, by doing, uh, <laughs> you know, book reports and things like that. So, uh, so I actually pulled the first book and I think it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or it might've been a Russ Whitney book, but it was a real estate book nonetheless. And, uh, and that was it. We went from there. So how, how old were you when you read that? Oh gosh, I was probably, I think, I think I was 15. Okay. Uh, Cause yeah. I paid my son when he was probably 11 or 12 to read rich dad, poor dad. I said, I'll give you 20 bucks if you read this book. And then, Oh, it came back to bite me. Mom, is that an asset or a liability? Did you know that your house is a liability? I was like, what have I done? I created a monster. And then we played, the cash, get, though. <laughs> we played the cash flow game for kids and quickly, you know, my two younger boys are like, this is too boring and easy. Let's do the advanced one. So then we did. And then like, so mom, are you out of the rat race? Is this like your life? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I done? No, but it was great. <laughs> it was like my real life. So then I got yeah. to teach them that. Anyway, so back to your story. Yeah. So, I mean, I went to, I went to university for, um, for entrepreneurship with a focus in real estate. And then what ended up happening from there is uh, my father and I started to buy a couple of rentals together that I did very poorly. I just, after, you know, through the crash, we held it through the crash. One of them got foreclosed on. Um, and, uh, and then I also jumped into a junior as a junior partner to our office condo development, um, you know, right at the end of 06, all the way through. So it took a little bit to dig out from that, had some loans to pay off. And then we started really, I started really trying to put together uh, rental partnerships in 2011, where I'd raise uh, some money to buy the property. And then also the, someone else had the credit, I'd manage it and I'd find the deal. And so we started doing a couple of those, sold a little bit of that to uh, start flipping. And we've been kind of full bore on flipping and acquiring rentals for about two and a half years, almost three years. So Awesome. I love that you leveraged other people's credit and other people's money with your knowledge because it takes all three components. And yeah. not often not one person possesses unlimited amounts of all three. So and what a time, great resource. I had horrible credit and I had no money. So... <laughs> 
I had but to. you had the knowledge. So, yeah. and there's value to that. And obviously people that jumped in didn't have a gun to their head, I assume. So they saw the value in you putting the deal together. That's awesome. So, and then we've been, we started out, uh, our first deal was a flip, um, sent out some direct mail, like uh, so many people talk about. And I got a call after about eight weeks of fielding some take me off your list phone calls <laughs> went out and, uh, and we is this hundred year old house here in downtown Colorado Springs, like 700 square feet, two bed, uh, one bath and yeah, price per square foot. We set a new record for the neighborhood and we were flipping uh, from there. Um, but then I, I spent a year just going up and down, putting money into different deals. Um, and then we really shifted last summer into predominantly a wholesale shop. So we've got a team of five right now and, uh, and we wholesale properties. We'll do about 70 this year. And then we're flipping about, uh, well, how many will we flip next year? We're pr I think we're trying to scale back to about one a month, so 12. And then I'm trying to get 20 rental units in the next 12 months. That's every 12 months we're trying to do 20 more. So, Wow. You're going to like own the whole state of Colorado pretty soon, dude. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Good for you. Well, why don't you tell us, um, maybe you kind of did there, but I wanted to hear about your first deal. And if you don't mind sharing, whether it was a winner or loser, how much money you made and... Yeah, it was a winner. I mean, I didn't really know what I had when I got it under contract. I was kind of just running and gunning, making offers, trying to find one. And this one came in, ARV was uh, right around two or 180, uh, $45,000 rehab and a $75,000 purchase. So it ended up coming in under, you know, 65% of ARV all in cost, got a hard money loan uh, at 10 and two, I think. Um, so 10%, two points. Yeah, 10% yeah, and two points. Uh, we were able to get the two points on the back end uh, through negotiating it. So they didn't uh, collect that until until we sold the property. And we renovated in eight weeks. Uh, it was supposed to be four because it was a small house, but it went to eight. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the real world. Yes. yes. <laughs> So, and that was, I mean, I was solely, my wife and I were both solely focused on that one and, and it still went to eight weeks and lots of, lots of late nights and lots of stress, lots of trips to Home Depot, that kind of stuff. But we, we ended up selling it for $200,000. Um, nice. and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great deal to get us off and running and, um, for so the way that that worked is we had to fund some of our own construction costs and so i found a partner with a line of credit uh, to fund that and then he got reimbursed as soon as the construction draw came in so he ended up with about a, a percentage of the profit i don't even remember how much we made but it was enough to really be off and running so that's awesome and i loved how you were resourceful and found a friend with a line of credit that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those well, relationships, I will say, usually, you know, they're relationships. You got to develop them over time. Um, you can't just meet somebody and say, hey, give me money. <laughs> right, right. So, and they, they got to have trust and faith in you for sure. 
So that was your first deal and not everybody I talked to has a successful first deal. So I'm glad yours was and it kept you in the game. You're like, this is awesome. We're going to do this. Um, why don't you tell me about, I think before we hit the record button, you were talking about a long-term hold uh, rental that you just acquired and you got some owner carry. Tell us about that whole deal structure you did. Yeah. So I find with the owner carries, there's usually a reason. There's some type of problem that you're trying to solve or there's some unique circumstance that they're trying to get into. And in the sales process, when we're out talking to people about it, it's very much put it in their language. They have no idea what owner carry means. It's you know, have you ever thought about turning your house into a pension? We have a pick your payment program. What monthly payment would your target be? She's like 800 bucks a month. Okay. So if we paid you $800 a month and we could back end the numbers to make sure that you got that, what would, what would that do for you? And she's like, oh, that would be such good peace of mind. I wouldn't have to worry about the house. I don't have to repair things, right? Yeah. Nope. No repairs. We own it. You've got it. And you've got a, uh, um, you're basically giving us a mortgage. So you're our bank for a little while. Um, so we ended up negotiating a, uh, a like a five-year balloon. So we have to pay it off in five years, but we also disclose that we do what's called uh, a catastrophe clause. So if the rent or the um, or the value of the property drops more than ten percent in any single year, then we have the ability to renegotiate um, under similar terms. Uh, so we can't change the balance of what's owed, but we can change the payment um, to make it reflect what's needed in the market. That's called a catastrophe clause. So we do that on our owner finances and that gives us another extension of another five years to be able to refi if, if stuff falls apart. Um, so that's something I learned from the last crash. <laughs> that is brilliant. I have never heard that before. Certainly that would be helpful in my market in Southern California. In fact, um, I'm hoping, now I, we didn't talk about this before, but I'm hoping you'd be willing to share that. And I think that should be our giveaway this episode. Are you willing to give away that <laughs> catastrophe clause wording? <laughs> I, I actually gave it away and then I had other lawyers call me. <laughs> really? I, I literally called my lawyer and said, how do I put this provision in? Um, and so he, I paid him to write it up. So he, so it's his thing. I mean, oh, I, we can't give it away. Okay. So, but I mean, I, take the idea, listeners, and yeah. go to your local lawyer in your state so that it's done right. I tried, guys. Oh, well. Anyway, it's brilliant, though. I love that concept. I've never it's heard of that. It's just supposed to give you the option to renegotiate under specific parameters with the outcome of you being able to still make the payments. Right. And it really, you can spin it to show that it's in their best interest because otherwise a potential borrower or, you know, the new owner might be tempted to just walk away and say, I quit, I'm done. So right. it protects them too. And you can definitely show it's in their best interest. So tell us more about this one. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a unique situation. Um, the, the lady, actually I got this on a referral from another seller. Um, I bought another house uh, that we ended up wholesaling to a flipper mm -hmm. and uh, this guy gave us a lot of grief for about six months and we were patient, hung in there, got yelled at a ton and uh, he gave me a hug at closing. So um, at the end of the day, we won him over and then he actually referred us to his mother. They had all inherited properties out of grandma's estate and, uh, 
And so it was him and his mom. There were five other people that inherited properties, but she had one uh, that she got and her and her sister were fighting. And as, gr as grandma was on her deathbed, uh, sister went out and was property managing this property, leased it to her friend for like a third of market rent. Oh. Um, yeah, so for two years with no termination clause. So this gal, she, the owner, she's like, her goal after talking to her on the phone for, I've never met her, talking to her on the phone for um, four or five hours over three conversations and then proposing um, the solution to her, her goal and her primary goal, I could see this was her motivation or hear it in her voice, was she wanted to not see her sister's name on the rent checks every <laughs> single month. And she was willing to do whatever it took to do that. So Wow. Um, You're a so, good detective. You are good at finding people's pain points or motivation points. That's a great yeah. skill. That's your superpower. <laughs> uh, it might be. Well, I mean, I, I teach our acquisitions. We call it uh, belligerent persistence. Mm, uh, I like that. They have to ask why. Uh, they have to ask why they're selling 10 different ways before they're allowed to give up. And then they're also, they also are required to ask seven different times what it is that, uh, that the person wants for the property. Um, do you mean financially like what they want for it? Okay. The price. So what yep. price they want? Yeah. So you'll get the best deals by, by getting people to name their number first. Um, and so we, seven times we have to ask them. So it's like, Hey, what would you need to get for this house to make it make sense for you? Well, you're the investor. You tell me, well, I just want what's best for you. It's just numbers for me, but it's a house for you. So just where would you ballpark? You don't have to come up with an exact number, but ballpark, where would you need to be? No, 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 no. And then the last one is usually, so if you had a magic wand and you could just wave it and sell it today what would that be for and usually by five or six times asking they'll give you a number and occasionally you'll be you'll be shocked it's like well i would have given you 90 but they want 75 so great do it. smart way not to leave money on the table love that yep. brilliant so, so. We, the end of this deal is essentially uh, we close it at the end of the month um and it's uh, we've got to lose money on the rent uh for a little bit because our payment is going to be more than the rent is because it was rented way under market to get back at the sister <laughs> oh and you can't evict her nope there's no, that lease is like ironclad. I've never really seen a non-termination. Anyway, it's not worth I'm not, I've never heard about such a thing. Like yeah. all the leases that I see start out you know, like one year and then they usually renew month to month. That's what I see typically in California. But this is like a indefinite forever lease, huh? <laughs> it's, a, it's a two year lease with no cancellation. I mean, there's wow. no for cancellation. So, and then call, I mean, we could fight it, but then, you know, Colorado's pretty uh, tenant friendly. So yeah, I know what that's like in California. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, so we're just going to, we're going to lose a couple hundred bucks a month for eight months to end up buying a property that comes with 25% equity right out of the gate that nice. was renovated four years ago. So nice. Yeah. Nice. So it's a, it's a five-year balloon, 5% 5 interest on a 30-year amortized note. Um, yeah. So, and then in eight months, uh, the rent will go up and we'll be cash flowing about 675 a month. Oh, wow. 
Sweet yeah. deal. Nice. Yeah. Well done. So that was your owner carry um, mm-hmm. success story. Um, tell me about, I think you're talking about one that's um, like a short-term flip that you've got going with some creative financing as well. Yeah. So we, we have a flip where we bought it with uh, subject to the existing financing. So there's a provision in our state contract that has a subject to section. Um, so we're buying it with the existing loan staying in place. There's some peculiarities with this that you've got to check out and make sure that your state uh, you're good with the rules um, there. And uh, and then also there's a due on sale clause in any modern mortgage that they can, the bank can call it due. So you got to make sure we put it in a land trust. Um, so we're f- actually flipping the property through a land trust. Hmm. Seller uh, sell the the rights to the land trust, the beneficiary rights to us for uh Actually, no, he brought money to closing. He paid us to take the beneficiary rights. So, um, yeah, basically, uh, it's a $275,000 ARV. It's a little on the outskirts of town on three acres um, with two units on the property. It's about 3,000 square feet. Uh, we bought it for one forty-five. We'll have 50 into it. And uh, they gave us $7,000 at closing to take it. So, so why are they giving you 7000 at closing? <laughs> they, uh, they were having a hard time making the payments. They weren't behind. Um, okay. they were just, this was a second house. They moved before they sold it. Uh, they had a realtor that was uh, listing it, but it needed some repairs. And they didn't get what they thought they wanted for it. And then mm. let it go. Uh, the husband got laid off. And then they basically just jumped online, found us online and said, hey, we need we can't make our next payment and it's next week. Can you buy this house? And we came out and we're like, Hey, there's a lot to do. There's, it's going to take a long time to renovate because we've got to drive crews a little bit out of town. Um, we're in Colorado. So lots of people love the rural properties um, with trees and uh, near the foothills and the mountains. So this has got an amazing view an amazing spot, but it's going to be a little bit longer of a hold time. So I just explained our costs associated if we were going to buy it and that the only way that we could buy it is if they just left the loan in place. And I said, even then, you know, it's still, the numbers are still tight. So, you know, we have to buy it. I think their loan was 149 and uh, I needed it for 145. So they brought 4,000 to pay down the loan uh, to 145. And then they also gave me a credit of $3,000 to make the next three months uh, payments. But they, it, it, it was this odd situation where they were just ready to be done because their reasoning was, I, I, we don't want to make the payments. We can't make the payments. But then they brought money to closing. So yeah, that was going to be my next question. Where's the money coming from? That's so we funny. dug into it and, and basically they just, uh, it was a second husband, second husband lost the job. It was first husband's property. He died. She, mm. it was sentimental to her. She had inheritance money that was hers and she didn't want to touch. And then they, they as a household couldn't make the payments. So then they dipped into that to be able to pay it down and be done. So interesting. Um, so sometimes uh, there's, sounds like you're good at digging into things too. So ask why. <laughs> yeah, ask why. Okay. So, well, that's pretty interesting. Do you typically 
are most of your investments creative financing or is it kind of a mix or what's your usual structure? You know, I, I'd say the majority of what we do is wholesaling, which is just an assignment of contract. Um, and so that, that's the majority of what we do. But when, when there's a deal, but we just, we have to put it together a different way. Um, you know, I'd say we probably do, if we're going to do a total of, we probably do six to eight a year. Um, but some of those long-term ones can be, I don't think there's a better way to buy a property. <laughs> oh yeah. I love it when I can get, I mean, sometimes it's just, they say not an option if there's a realtor throwing up that roadblock. Nope, nope. They just want to be done. They want to be done. Well, of course, but if you can break past the realtor and get to the people. Like for instance, um, I did get one recently that came direct with no agent. But when I show them, do you want 200,000 cash or would you like 220 in three to four months? Well, yeah, I want 220 because where else are they going to make that much on their money? Right. Not short of a term. So I try to present the, do you want the little amount or the big amount? And, you know, have a little bit of patience and give them whatever cash they need right now. Yeah. And then you can make it work. Yep. Tell us about um, another one. If you've got another creative deal. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah, we've got, I mean, we're all, we always have plenty in the pipeline and then our, our rentals are a lot of them are creative finance stuff. So uh, we've got a guy that called us last spring. So we've been working with him since, uh, yeah, for over a year. Um, he was coming out of a chapter 13 bankruptcy, which is reorganizing his debt. So he had a trustee to start paying off. Um, so the the challenge with this one is we didn't want to take over a loan while it's being worked out through bankruptcy. That's not a good idea. Our lawyers advised against it. Wow. And so, uh, so we still wanted to find a solution for him and he wanted to move back to Wisconsin and just wanted to be done, wanted to walk away, um, had only bought it like three years earlier. And uh, yeah, so it, it was a 30-year loan um very low interest i think it's at like 3.62 um so just super low payment and uh and we just looked at it and said goodness th there's a deal here how do we do this so well, the advice that we got was you can't take the deed um through you don't want to take the deed through that process and expose yourself to that however you can lease option it so we took a lease option and then pre-signed a subject to purchase contract that is effective as soon as the comes out of bankruptcy so as soon wow. as the bankruptcy is over um, and all of the paperwork is very similar for a lease option um, and and a subject to the disclosures of you become an additional insured on the property, you're managing everything, you're repairing everything, all of that. And then we actually turned around and passed on the responsibility to our tenants that they've got to fix stuff. So, um, so we lease optioned it. And then I noticed there was a separate entrance in the back unit uh, or in the back. And, uh, and so we walled off some stairs and for, a few thousand bucks because we had it in our in our garage on another flip we pulled some working appliances and cabinets and stuff out of there we made a second unit and now it's a it's a duplex because it was already zoned for it so it's making Sweet. <laughs> uh it's making 1800 a month in rent right now we manage it so there's no fees on that and then payment is 961 um 
and then we'll take it over in about four months and it'll go sub two and we'll have the deed. So that is fantastic. Created some nice little cash flow in there. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Well, I love all these. And listeners, I just was so excited for you to hear um, Adam's real life stories of what he's doing and putting together through his resourcefulness and his contacts and calling a friend for using their line of credit. And it's great to be social and have friends, isn't it, Adam? <laughs> it is. It really is. Never eat alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, one caveat I'll give to creative financing is check with a lawyer, check with your state rules, because in the state of Colorado, we have something that's an amazing benefit to the public, and, and we want to make sure that we always are within the boundaries of what the legislators have allowed. There's something called the Foreclosure Protection Act um, that has very specific rules. It even tells us the size of font that has to be in the contract so that it's legible and readable by the seller. So there's, there's every state has different stuff. Just make sure that you're getting it checked out before you do something. Cause that's, um, I, I actually too much at risk. You could lose it. Right. I, I personally know a guy who is sitting in jail right now for taking over loans and then lease optioning it back to the seller, which technically oh. is called equity skimming. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he just, he didn't have his paperwork in order and he helped some people, but he was also kind of in the gray area. So you don't want to be in the gray. No, always do it the right way. It. <laughs> Help people and always do it the right way. So well, I guess I'll have some opportunity in jail to, to be learning and studying some more, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much. This has been really interesting and helpful. We really appreciate you sharing your experiences and insights where tell um, our listeners about what you're doing and your marketing think tank and yeah so we we run a lot of marketing we spend about twenty thousand dollars a month just in direct marketing to sellers and that's how we fill our pipeline make sure stuff uh, keeps going and so we we're constantly testing stuff we're constantly exploring for new ideas so basically you know we have a think tank where we send out a quarterly email with some of the stuff we're working on and ask for um, replies and other ideas that other people are doing we don't spam the crap out of you um, it's only about four times a year. Um, so that's, uh, you can find us at sellmyhome.org slash think tank. Uh, so sellmyhome.org backslash think tank. Cool. That sounds awesome. I think that it would be well worth it. Sounds really interesting. Thanks so much for sharing that. And listeners, we have great show notes for every show that you can find at hardhatholly.com forward slash 81 because we're on show number 81. And you can catch the notes if you're listening to this while you're working out like I sometimes do. It's nice to be able to go back to that resource and catch some of the the details because I know Adam was giving us some golden nuggets there. So thank you so much, Adam. Absolutely. So what advice would you have for um, investors as we part here that um, you would give to people, maybe, you know, a newer investor, like what's your best advice for them? Oh man. Um, <sighs> if you were going back in time and advising yourself, what would you advise your less experienced self? Um, you can't have it all figured out before you start. Ah. Uh, 
um, that was a big thing for me. I'd try and have everything out on paper, everything in my head uh, before I'd ever really take much action. And so um, making progress is more important than having everything perfect because you'll, you'll f achieve perfection by refining it, refining it, refining it over time. So yeah, just start. That's probably the best. Well, that's awesome if you got to perfection because I'm still working on it 200 plus years later. But <laughs> You'll get closer. Uh, I'm, I still learn. To perfection. <laughs> I'm still learning all the time, you know, challenging contractors and all kinds of stuff. Oh, you don't never get know. me started on contractors. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could rant for like a five-hour show. <laughs> okay. That'll be a later show, guys. But yeah, I think we all could. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Adam. This has been awesome. And where do people find you? I mean, sellmyhome.org forward slash think tank. And if they want to find you to, to message you directly, how would they do that? Yeah, I mean, literally, we're always we're always looking for lenders. We're always working with partners. We're always doing stuff. So any anywhere I'm at, I usually just give my cell phone or my email. So 719-421-9100. Um, sometimes it takes me a minute if everybody floods me at once, but I'll always get back to you. And then my email is adamr at sellmyhome.org. Awesome. Yeah. So if, if you guys like him and want to consider working with him or lending to him or getting involved with him in whatever way, definitely connect with Adam. So thank you so much, Adam. And listeners, get out there, take some action, get inspired by what Adam shared with us and make some good things happen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening today. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our show. And let us know in your review what you'd like to hear more of. For the show notes and free downloads for this episode and all others, go to hardhatholly.com.